Real quick, I gotta let you in on a testing secret. With regulations and breaches on the rise, production data is no longer safe or legal for developers to use. And creating test data in-house is a complex chore that eats away valuable time. That's where Tonic comes in. They make it possible to create a true mirror of production by safely and realistically mimicking production data. So you can work on real product and steer clear of surprises at release time. Learn more at tonic.ai slash code story. We actually were demoing the you know, first version of this product. In that product, we had the clear query feature which was a simple feature that allowed a senior leader to ask questions in natural language. It was actually in one of those meetings that we got stopped and was asked a question, hey, tell us more about that. We dove into kind of what that feature was designed for. Hey, it's designed to help enable your senior leaders to get these answers without having to go through a team of tech engineers. The response was, are you selling just that? At which point we said, sure, we'll sell you whatever you want. My name's Tim Tut. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Night Shift Development, the creators of ClearQuery. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Six, six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, pain. we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Tim Tut has created a simple way to get analytics and answers fast, so you can answer critical business questions. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Tim Tut grew up in the military and traveled around following his father. An interesting fact he shared was that he attended three different schools in the first grade. Outside of technology, he loves the Marvel Cinematic Universe, from which he states that Tony Spark is his spirit animal. He also loves to play poker, which he got into during college. He actually got to play in a smaller event within the World Series of Poker this past year. In the past, Tim played the role of the middleman between the data and those who needed answers from the data. Like a good engineer, he always automated the repeat things he was asked to do. He asked his co-founder one day, wouldn't it be nice if we could just get out of the way? This is the creation story of Clear Query. Clear Query. 
It's been a good bit of time working in government myself, primarily focused on building large-scale search and discovery solutions, helping government find needles in haystacks, helping determine what the next best action was in a lot of different areas. My role was really to be technical middleman between our analysts, our end users, and the core data that they had. I had access to our large supercomputer, could go and write queries against that. People would come to me, ask questions. I go write the queries, get responses back, transform those answers, get those those people. They'd eventually have additional questions that they'd want to ask. So they'd follow up with follow-ons, wash, rinse, repeat, kept going in that cycle. And a part of that, I think any developer will tell you, we are all way too lazy. If we have to do something more than once, we're going to automate it and never do it again. I started automating a lot of the processes and questions and scripts that I was building and getting those answers a little bit faster. But then myself and my co-founder kind of had a longer conversation about this and said, wouldn't it be great if we could just get ourselves out of the way, effectively automate ourselves out of a job and build a solution that enabled those analysts to come and ask the questions that they're asking without us having to be in the middle. So we took a big step back and said, let's go do it. So we started the company and we called it Night Shift Development because we were still working our day jobs. We still had bills to pay. So we were working our day jobs, but at night we were going home, working on product and building the product out. And it wasn't until we got the product fully launched and we were able to get our first customers that we were able to move full time into the business there. So the company is Night Shift Development, but ClearQuery is really our core product offering. Night Shift Development and ClearQuery are effectively one and the same. We just love that name because of the story and the reason that came about there. Let's dive into the MVP then. So the first version of ClearQuery that you built, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? Building that initial version, I think the very first MVP actually came from another side product that we were building out that because we went through a couple of iterations. And this is one of the fun parts about you know building a company, I think, is you, you run through a number of iterations and find the right fit for what you're trying to do. So when we initially started, we were going to focus very specifically on cybersecurity, and we were building out capability to look at insider threat, using this capability to enable people to ask questions of cybersecurity data to figure out what insider threats they had. So ClearQuery initially was a pure feature of that first product, and we were going to market and trying to pitch that. One of the things that we kept running into was the particular methodology that we were going after was a little concerning for a lot of insider threat CISOs and whatnot, insider threat groups, because they were concerned that people might be concerned that we're monitoring this type of data about them. But during one of our pitches, we actually were demoing the you know, first version of this product. And in that product, we had the clear query feature which was a simple feature that allowed a senior leader to ask questions in natural language. Literally come in and say, hey, how many threats do I have by department? And it comes back and shows them these nice, pretty graphs and charts. It was actually in one of those meetings that we got stopped and was asked the question, hey, tell us more about that. We dove into kind of what that feature was designed for. Hey, it's designed to help enable your senior leaders to get these answers without having to go through a team of tech engineers or rely on dashboards and all these different types of things. The response was, 
are you selling just that? At which point we said, sure, we'll sell you whatever you want. We took a big step back and said, let's go back to the drawing board here and really started digging in and said, this is really what we set out to do in the first place. Enable people to ask questions. Maybe there's a broader set of capabilities, a set of use cases that we can focus on that we weren't necessarily looking at before. So we spent another three months building out just the Ask Clear Query feature set. And it was really designed around, hey, how do we help enable people to just ask questions of any data that they may have? In terms of the tools that we were using there, ClearQuery is a React-based web application, Node.js backend. Our initial MVP had Python for kind of our intent understanding on the backend and some entity extraction things that we were doing. We leveraged Elasticsearch very heavily as our workhorse for storing data and running a lot of the analytics because it provides a lot of flexibility for us to ask very interesting and unique questions across data sets. You're touching on some of these things that I'm going to ask about already, but I want you to dive into maybe some of the decisions and trade-offs you had to make. Obviously, you're, you're going to sell something else, and they're asking you if you will just sell them the one thing, and that sort of gave you some direction on how to move forward. I'm curious about any other sort of trade-offs you had to make in approach, in building that first version of Clear Query, and, and settling on approach, and, and how you coped with those decisions. The first version of Clear Query, it was literally ripping out a feature that we built because I think initially when we started building out that initial product, we weren't entirely sure that we had a full product with just Clear Query. We thought that was a cool feature to add into another broader capability. What we were not really seeing at that moment was the variety of use cases that we could tackle by building Clear Query in the Ask Clear Query feature as the core capability, but providing other data analytics and search and discovery capabilities around it. Those, those trade-offs were really more of, hey, we're now moving this away from being just a feature, and this becomes the centerpiece of our full-blown product. And with it becoming the centerpiece of our product, we now have to figure out, what is the workflow? How are the users actually going to come in and interact with this? How do they get data in? How do they start analyzing things? And it really was a big revamp in terms of how we moved as an organization. In our initial MVP, and really for the first year and a half, there was a lot of back-end heavy lifting for us to get started and onboarded with the customer. Hey, we can come in, but we're going to have to be the ones to deploy this. And we were doing a lot of hand-wavy magic to actually help customers get their data in and cleaned and set up for them to actually be able to leverage product. Today, very different story. Now it's completely full self-service solution where users don't need us in the mix to actually get started and start getting value from their data. In fact, you usually don't need us at all unless you're trying to do something super unique that requires a product change at the end of the day. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. 
With CypherStash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, CypherStash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. Let's go forward then. You've got your MVP. It's working. You're gaining some traction. You're moving forward with this new sort of momentum. How have you progressed the product and matured it? And I think what I'm curious about is, is how did you build your roadmap? And how did you go about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with ClearQuery? Yeah, for us, it was very much so focusing very heavily on customer feedback. Everything we have done has been entirely driven on where's our next bit of revenue going to come from. And as we started building the company, at the time it was myself and my co-founder, so there were two of us then. Uh, now we're a team of 25 people, and that's all been because we've been able to build revenue by responding to the features that our customers need. So I'll use a prime example. One of our very first customers actually gave us this piece of feedback that I, I tend to reference all the time because it became the centerpiece for one of the core entry points for ClearQuery and how people use it. When they first started using it, they said, hey, it's great that I can ask these questions of my data, but the issue that I have is I don't always know exactly what to ask. That puts our analysts in a bind if they don't even know where to begin, where to start. So we took that and stood back and said, what if your analysts didn't have to ask questions at all? And we built a feature that we call Automated Insight. And what Automated Insights does is actually analyzes your data for you, highlights some interesting statistics and presents those to you as soon as you upload your data. And it gives you this ability to start getting some very quick analysis without even knowing where to begin. So we use automated insights for the, I don't know where I want to start, and then ask ClearQuery with the, okay, I know where I want to start, or I, I at least have a good sense, so now I can start asking more advanced questions moving forward. But that's really how we've built all of our feature set, is listening to the feedback that we get from customers and using that to prioritize our roadmap. 
And as we got more customers, it becomes a game of prioritizing, you know, balance of revenue and what's going to provide the most impact to the most customers and how quickly can we get those things out. You mentioned we and you mentioned a team of 25. I'm curious about how you went about building your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? Building a team is probably one of the most challenging things in the world. For us, we were looking for people that had two key characteristics. One is hustle. That is the number one thing that I look for in general. They have the hustle and the drive to go and learn it. If they don't necessarily have the skill set behind them, they can go and figure it out very quickly. And then two is you know, people that we like to work with, people that we wanted, that we could see ourselves day to day, hanging out with, having chats with, and then actually going out and maybe grabbing a drink with or having dinner with and enjoying each other's company. Those were the two key things because we felt like those were the things that mattered the most for building a really functioning team. Everything else can be built. So as we were building our team, the core skill sets depended on the role. In some of those cases, they were developers. In some of those cases, it was marketing. In some cases, sales. So depending on the role, we're, we're hoping that, hey, you've got some of that mar the marketing chops to help sell ads and those types of things, or you've at least done event management and conferences because we do a lot of those now. As a matter of fact, our early sales team pitched me on why they should come and work for us to sell ClearQuery which was great sales pitch in and of itself. They, they'd seen the product, they really loved it and said, hey, you should hire us to come and help sell this for you and help expand the road. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for CodeStory listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash CodeStory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash code store. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. So let's talk about scalability. I'm curious if you built this to scale efficiently from day one, from that point when you started to just offer that one thing, or was this something you had to fight as you grew and gained traction? 
we absolutely built it to scale from day one. Again, us coming from government backgrounds and building large-scale search and discovery uh, solutions, that was our core. So choosing Elasticsearch was a very intentional decision as our, our back-end data store because of how well it scales and how much we'd seen with that before. So there were a lot of things that we'd done to begin with that enabled us to scale in a very efficient way. Over time, we started building out additional features that enabled us to scale in different ways, less on the analytics side and more on things like multi-tenancy and how are we managing our caching layers. These are things that, you know, we thought about, but we didn't think were going to be big issues until they started becoming issues. And then UI performance definitely becomes a, a major issue over time. So they weren't fight, but as soon as we started to see these issues creep up, and big shout out to my VP of engineering, Sean, he would spot these things early enough to where we're actually ahead of the game before we run into those scalability issues in a live customer environment. Okay, Tim, so as you step out on the balcony, and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I think the thing that I am most proud of is the team that we've built and the effectiveness that our team has had in really building a a company that has scaled. We're exceeding 10 million in ARR this year, 25 people, and we're completely bootstrapped. No outside capital. Doing that without having to use outside resources, I think, is a challenging feat in and of itself. And that makes me really proud as a founder, but also proud for our ability to actually continue to work together and maneuver and figure out, hey, how do we work and adjust and figure these things out along the way? Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. We had a customer that came in with some data sets that we weren't expecting in a format that was a little bit wonky. Their data was structured differently. And we're excited and got running, got deployed on their data. But then they started asking questions that we weren't anticipating. And one of the things that started happening there was they weren't getting valid responses back. They weren't getting responses at all in some cases. And their users just didn't know what to do. That was a big hole for us. They were a pretty, they were a pretty large customer and this is the first time we had seen the type of variety of things that we might get from a customer base that we weren't necessarily expecting. So that actually caused us to go back and do a big revamp in terms of how we handled some of those error cases. We thought we were handling all of the corner cases, but we weren't. And then we needed to find a way to handle how we collected feedback and how we provided a valid response, even if we didn't have the right answer, that the user knew what was wrong and could provide something back to us to help improve and build out the product. That actually helped us in the long run because it now enables us to then look at, hey, here are things that aren't working well, we need to improve. So we started tracking a lot more logging data and collecting other details but we weren't doing that initially. And that, that, that caused some early friction with some customers. Okay, this will be fun, Tim. So 
what does the future look like for Clear Query, the product, and for your team? As we continue to look at the market space, one of the things that we see now is everyone's getting into the conversational AI space, which is great. But it is also, it means that the market becomes a lot more saturated. And then all of a sudden, tools start to look more like commodities. As we look at the future, we're also looking at, hey, how do we build out the next generation of data analysis capabilities that provide more value than others do? So we're looking at things like data-driven decision-making. How do we tell you what decisions you should be making? How do we help prescribe the solution to your problem in an effective way that allows uh, a team to move in a way that doesn't require lots and lots of brain, human brain power, but the machine is helping to guide you down the right path. This is a very hard problem. This is not a, a simple solution, but we're starting to build in the building blocks to help analysts along the way so that they can start to make better decisions. One of the other things that I think we've been very good at historically is building a super simple interface that allows any user, no matter their technical skill set, to get their value from their data. You don't need a team of engineers. You don't need a clear query engineer to come in and get things set up for you. You can actually do this yourself. Continuing to improve on that, even looking at things like mobile and entirely voice activated solutions, how does this integrate? And then on top of that, how do we integrate with other tools and solutions? One of the features that we recently released is a feature that allows us to embed clear query generated charts in other applications. For our team, it's always about scale for us. How do we continue to grow? We like to run with a small, efficient team. We don't need to grow to be a massive company in terms of team size because our product is designed to be as efficient as possible. Grow revenue with as small a team as we can and grow that team and continue to grow it effectively so that we meet those two core tenants I talked about earlier. People that have hustle and people that we love working with on a day-to-day basis. Let's switch to you, Tim. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. There are a lot of founders bootstrapped and otherwise that I I tend to look toward that have built monster companies. And that uh, across the board, you look at Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook, uh, Jeff Bezos with Amazon. Those are great founders from the companies they've built. I I look at Amazon in particular and it started off as a, hey, we sell bookstore and now they sell the world which is absolutely phenomenal. And seeing those types of transitions is amazing. Facebook started off as just a social networking site, and now it encompasses a lot. It's effectively a big media giant. What I find interesting about those particular individuals and what I look at in their stories is how they make those gigantic transformations from a company perspective. And finding the ways to move into those spaces is hyper interesting to me. So I look at those as goalposts for me to figure out how we transform over time and what are the things that we can do to continuously improve and become a bigger organization. In terms of who I really look up to, though, I'm going to I'm going to throw something out there. My dad, my dad is a work hard. He's 
think I get this from him. He and I will probably both work until the day we die, always finding something to do and drive forward. My dad was military and now he works doing real estate and is continuously hustling. And I, I love seeing that drive and that continues to make me drive along with watching my siblings. And that inspires me to help want to drive the rest of my business forward in an effective way. Last question, Tim. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Get it in the hands of customers as soon as you can. The number one piece of advice I always give to founders is just start. There are a lot of people that have a problem getting off go and even starting with an idea. A lot of people are very afraid to even start talking about their idea until it's fully formed and fully finished. I think I learned my lesson very early on is get it into the hands of customers as soon as you possibly can, because those customers will tell you the things that you're missing and the things that you need to look at so that you're not you know, figuring that out on the fly. That doesn't mean every customer is going to give you the exact right piece of advice, but you will get the feedback that you need to start looking at things in different ways. That's great advice. Well, Tim, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Clear Query. Thanks much, Noah. And this concludes another chapter of Coat Story. Coat Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.